Well, last week we began a very short series that we are going to wrap up today called Crossroads. Uh, I got the idea from this, uh, for this series when I was reading a book by a guy named J.D. Greer uh, about a month ago, a, little, a few, couple months ago actually, um, and he wrote this, just a simple statement in the book and it just jumped out at me. He said, the Holy Spirit, you could say, is always leading to the cross or from it. And what he meant by that is not that you know, people are coming to Christ and walking away from Christ, but, but that um, the Holy Spirit works in our lives to lead us to a saving relationship in Christ. And then, once we become Christians, the Holy Spirit then drives our lives with a mission out into the world to help other people experience this salvation. Now, what that means is, if you're here and you're not a Christian, I don't think you're here by accident. I think the Holy Spirit works in your life, in your heart, through the circumstances of people around you to lead you to a place where you can find and have a saving relationship where you can trust your eternity into the hands of Jesus. Um, for the rest of us if, that are here, um, a lot of us who are here, what that means, though, is that we've already walked that road that leads to the cross, and, and that encounter with Jesus has kind of split our lives in two. And um, a good illustration of that is how our calendar works. You know, you, back in school, you remember it was B.C. and A.D., okay, before Christ and Anno Domini in the year of our Lord. Um, they're trying to change, it's changed now to like B.C.E., before the Christian era, and I don't, modern era, I don't remember what the, the after part is, what we're in. Um, but regardless of the names they put on it, you can't deny that the reason that break is there is because of Jesus. And the same is true of in our lives. Like once we encounter Christ, there should be kind of this like, boom, old life, new life. Old road, new road. That's how the Christian life should be set up. And so, um, you know, I think of how my life has worked up to this point, how my life has been uh, kind of played out. And I can very well see the road that led to Christ, and I can very well see the road that has led me um, to live a life of purpose and meaning and hopefully significance for his glory. The road that goes from the cross is a road of purpose. It's a road of serving. It's a road of giving. It's a road of doing and playing an active part of the mission that God has put his church on. Now, what I have also noticed, though, about my Christian walk is that when I first came to Christ, and this, this will make sense as we go. This might not make sense at first, but we'll explain it as we go. When I first came to Christ, I didn't switch roads. See, there's a road that leads to Christ, and then there's where, where you're, in a sense, a, a consumer. When you're first kind of coming to church, you're kind of a consumer of what the church is offering. You're hearing, you're listening, you're learning, you're getting challenged in your heart. It's very much a, a consumer relationship. But then you become a Christian, and we're supposed to actually not be a consumer of the mission of the church anymore. We're meant to be a contributor in the mission of the church to reach more people for Jesus. And when I first became a Christian, I didn't change roads. I kept coming to church like I was going to be a contributor. I didn't, um, I, I came to church, I listened, I studied, I sang the songs, I did all that stuff, but I, I, I didn't help a whole lot. I didn't see that I had a purpose or that I had a place in the church. That was somebody else's job. Um, in my opinion, in my, in my church, it was all the old people's job, because when I came to church, I was in high school, and anyone, you know, over 25 is old. Oh, oh, young Anthony, what you, what, what you thought, you know, it's interesting. Um, but I think that sometimes I, you see Christians who come to Christ, who, who have put their faith in him and never get told that they're supposed to change roads. 
that never get, get ex- it never gets explained to them that they're supposed to not just be a consumer of what the church is doing anymore, but they're meant to be a contributor. They're not meant to just sit in the pews and take in, but they're meant to get up and to put out for the church, to give out something for the church. And we stay on the road that leads to the cross instead of being a contributor. Um, and if that doesn't sound clear, again, hang with me. Um, I didn't get to tell you my salvation story last week, and so I'm going to do that today. And hopefully, as we go, we're going to kind of figure out why it's important for us to move roads. Um, my uh, road to Christ was about as long and slow as I feel like it could have been. Granted, it took place in a time in my life when time felt like it was crawling, Okay, if you've ever, you know when you're young and it feels like the next birthday's never going to get here, 16's never going to get here, 18's never going to get here. Um, so granted, it felt like a long, slow road because that's the season of life I was in. Um, now, I blink and eight years go by. So it was probably quicker than I think. Um, but it was a long, slow road for me, it felt like. Um, I, have to, I can't deny that um, my road to faith started at home. Um, my, I think everyone kind of in my sphere of influence in my family was a Christian. Um, They believed in Jesus, um, but I will say that church was never a meaningful part of our lives growing up for various reasons. Um, My mom had been through kind of a a heartbreak with the church. The church really kind of broke her heart that she went to, and and she shied away from church for a lot of years. But but that doesn't change the fact that um, we prayed before every meal. Jesus was always talked about. I remember my grandma Bliss, my dad's mom, um, telling me about Jesus, and she always had Bibles uh, laying around, and to be fair, they were in King James, and I, every time I tried to look into it, I couldn't make sense of it as like a, you know, an eight-year-old, but, but you know, I was still had like that idea that you know, God is real, Jesus is a part of that equation somehow. I maybe didn't get all the pieces, but my faith journey started at home. Um, the first time church became like a meaningful part of the equation, I was in seventh grade, and a friend invited me to his church. It was Pleasant Grove Missionary Baptist Church. That would be a great website, right? PleasantGroveMissionaryBaptistChurch.com, you know. And so, um, but they did not have, with a name like that, you know they didn't have a website. It was as old school as churches can be. It was piano and hymns only. Uh, it was um, men wore suits and ladies wore dresses. Uh, I don't know. I never saw uh, anything that said that was the dress code. I never saw, like, was handed a pamphlet saying, here's how you dress for church. But that was just the vibe when you walked in. Um, and I started going to uh, the youth group. And when I showed up, I was surprised to find that a lot of the kids I went to school with in junior high actually went to church there. And I was like, oh, I have people here that I know. And so I kept coming back mainly for the social aspect of it. And then uh, that following summer, uh, the youth group went on a trip to church camp. I'd never been to camp of any kind. I was very scared about the idea. Um, I'm kind of a homebody, but I went, and it was an amazing experience, okay? I love church camp, and that was when I would say I had my first meaningful encounter with Christ. Um, It was the first time I met um, people who were going to spend, investing in me, spending significant time explaining to me the reality of my sin, the reality of of Jesus, the size of Jesus' love for me, the size of God's grace for me. And I mean, that week of camp blew my mind open. And from that point on, I don't think I would say I was a Christian at that point, but I would say that from that point on, I was aware that I needed Jesus, even if I didn't know exactly what to do with that information. Um, Then I went to that church camp, I would say the next five or six years. I went every time I could go until they stopped letting me apply because I was too old, okay? Um, but I didn't go to the church anymore after a while, and, and I don't want to rip on the church. It wasn't, it, 
this is kind of my, you know, uh, junior high mentality, okay, because I encountered God at that, uh, at that camp, and I kind of came home with this idea that, like, oh, if God is real, then my life is supposed to, like, try to follow him. Like, I kind of got that in it. Again, I didn't have all the pieces of faith, but I was like, we're supposed to, like, try to do what God wants us to do to live for him, and there was a lot of the kids that were in the youth group that I went to school with that that really wasn't their deal. They were there because mom and dad made them, uh, because that was just, you know, their, again, their social circle was at church, and so they came to that, but God wasn't really any bit on their radar. They didn't really care about following Jesus, living for Jesus, and even as a, I was probably in eighth grade at this point, um, I, could, I could sense hypocrisy, and I didn't like it. You know, there's a lot of people who, who whine or gripe that the church's biggest problem is that Christians are hypocrites. I would say I was that person at that point, and I just didn't like that they didn't care about Christ. I didn't like that they didn't care about God. Again, I didn't have all the pieces that I needed to totally go all in with Jesus, but I knew that we're supposed to try, right? And, and so I got kind of burnt out on that, and I stopped going to the church, even though every summer I went to the church camp. In fact, I was so de- uh, determined to go to the church camp, I hunted down the phone number of the guy who was the camp director, and I said, I want to go. I don't have a ride. How do I get there? And he would pick me up on the way to camp, and so I got there like a day early most of the time because he got there to set up, and I didn't know what to do, and so I'm by myself at this camp. I wanted so badly to have that encounter with God that I wanted to go back every single year. And then um, as I got into high school, I had a few years where I didn't go to church. Again, still going to camp, still kind of understanding God needed to be a part of my life. Jesus needed to be a part of my life, and I had a girlfriend invite me to church. And you you do what your girlfriend asked you to do. I was like, sure, I'll go to church. And so she invited me to a youth group event at the Fairfield First Christian Church. And again, I learned that once I went there that a lot of the kids that I went to school with go to that church, were part of that youth group. And even more, some of my like really good friends were part of that church, and I had no idea that they had anything to do with church, which kind of told me, like, maybe we should talk about Jesus more. Like, if we're all going, like, if we're all kind of trying to find God, and, and they were, like, earnestly trying to um, find God. And what I discovered at this church was not only a social circle, but um, the youth minister there was, I, I, I don't know what it was about him, but I just... I loved when he taught. His name is John Clockingay. Um, he's still actually teaching at First Christian Church now. Um, and he was just, the way he taught, it was answering those questions. It was filling in some of the gaps in my faith. And um, so every time he, he taught, man, I was there. I listened intently. I couldn't get enough of what he had to say. And so um, I moved from just going to the Sunday night youth group thing to coming on Sunday morning. And then the girlfriend and I broke up, and I kept coming on Sunday morning, which made it a little bit awkward for a while, but, you know, we, got, we worked through it. Um, she's, she's a missionary now, believe it or not. We we're Facebook friends. We don't talk much, but, hey, I know, you know, we, we, we were mature. We were, you know, we were mature for our age, and we, we got through all that relational hiccup. And so I kept going to church there, right? And so um, I was a senior in high school when one night John sat down, and he was, you know, he started talking very clearly about baptism and why Christians, like why, why baptism was a command over and over again in the New Testament. And that, you know, when Christians put their faith in Christ, when they want to, you know, unite their life with Christ and have salvation, baptism is almost always a part of that encounter in the New Testament because it is good for us to unite our lives with Christ in baptism as we go under the water that is symbolic of us uniting our life with the death and burial of Jesus. That just as Jesus died on the cross, we go under the water letting our old life die 
Okay, again, two roads. This is the end of that first road. And we come out of the water just as Jesus rose from the grave. We come out of that water with a new life to be lived for him. A different life, a different road full of purpose and meaning. And I got baptized. I came down on a Sunday morning in front of about 400 people and got baptized in the hottest water I've ever been in. And, you know, it actually, I thought at first as I'm going under and I just feel like the heat consuming my face as I go backwards. You know, I was like, is this just, is the water hotter? Is this like what my sins getting burned away feels like? I didn't know. I had all these questions. Again, I didn't have all the pieces, right? But I was trying. And, and, and so I, I would say at that point was definitely um, kind of when I marked the beginning of my real full-on all-in life with Christ. And um, though I would say I was definitely trusting in Jesus for my salvation, I did not move off of that first road. I stayed on that first road. And, and here's what I mean by that. I didn't understand that I had any sort of part to play in the church. I didn't understand that God had gifted me to serve and actually contribute to the body of Christ that I was a part of, the body of Christ being Fairfield First Christian Church. Um, I'd understood about giving because every year the church did a big old giving series, and so I understood, oh, Christians give money, so, you know, I was washing cars, and so uh, in the summers, I would collect my money, and I would give of my car wash money, so I knew, I thought, that's what I got, you know, as far as contributing goes, but I thought that was kind of the end of it, and so I'm, but I'm not really doing anything meaningful. I was very much a consumer of what the church had to offer, and my experience with God up to that point, that's kind of all I knew, um, I've had, I'd had these like very meaningful encounters at church camp where I went and, and someone taught or someone sang a song or somebody invested in me in a way that just like blew my mind, had my eyes opened wide, or I came to church and I'm, I'm listening to somebody teach and filling all these holes in my spiritual story that I didn't even know were there, and I was, it was opening my eyes to my sin for the first time. I had all these moments where I was being inspired for the first time. I was experiencing the refreshing news that God loved me, no matter how rotten. I had been. All of that stuff was open, eye-opening for me, and I'd had all these significant emotional, spiritual experiences, and I thought that's what church was. You go to church, someone talks about God, and you kind of get this spiritual moment between you and God, and then you go home. I was consuming. I thought it was only about this emotional experience. The church's job was to give me that emotional experience, and um, that's just kind of what I thought it was, and I never moved off of that first road, consuming only what the church had to offer. And I think there's a lot of people like that. That's what you think the church is. Some of you probably here think that the church is where I go, and I should leave church feeling inspired, feeling the peace of God, feeling the presence of God. Um, some, some of you Christians, you're weirdos because you want to walk out here feeling like you got a spiritual whooping. Like you, unless, unless the sermon is like hellfire and brimstone and grates on your soul a little bit, you don't feel like you've been to church. Uh, some of you, I don't know, that's weird, and I, I haven't been that person, but some of you, you like it when I come out like pulling no punches, and that's the sermon for the day, and it's heavy and, and thick, and that's what you like. Um, but whatever it is, a lot of people think that the church's job is to make me feel something. 
And when you have that idea of the church, the church becomes kind of just like any other business. We're just a place to offer you a service, a place you come, you put money in the, in the, in the plate so that you've paid your dues and now you receive some sort of service. And, and when you view the church that way, the ministers, uh, the church staff, and the volunteers become like waiters at a restaurant to you. Their job is to deliver you something that you want, something that you expect to be a good experience. And when they don't, if, the, if you go to church and you don't get that spiritual experience, you don't get that spiritual high, you don't get that feeling that you're looking for, there's a problem with the church, not you. I think a lot of people that are kind of serial church hoppers, you know, they come for a while and they go to another church and they go for a while and they go to another church, I think that's part of the problem. They're looking for an experience. It's everybody's job to make them feel a certain way. And I'm not saying that church should not ever have some sort of an emotional component that moves you and stirs your soul. I'm just saying that is not all that church is. That is not all that this was meant to be. And so I think there are a lot of churches who are stuck coming here, or a lot of Christians, excuse me, who are coming to church consuming, looking for what am I going to get out of it. How was the sermon today? Did it make me laugh enough? Did it keep me engaged enough? Was the music, were those songs I liked, songs that were meaningful, songs I knew? And we kind of rate things on what did it do for me. And the problem, though, is that you consuming, that's not the only role here, okay? Yes, you're supposed to hopefully get something out of the sermons. Yes, you're supposed to hopefully walk away with more spiritual, biblical knowledge than you walked in here with. But there is a shift in your life that takes place when you give your life to Christ. You move off of the road of just being a consumer onto a different road where Jesus instills in you purpose and meaning and giftings that you can use to pour your life out for other people. Your life can make a difference in the grand scheme of things, in the eternal scheme of things, so that you don't just go through life making no difference, but you actually have a powerful, meaningful, lasting impact in the name of Jesus. You are meant to be not just a consumer, but a contributor to the mission of God. That's why one of the last things that Jesus ever said, okay, after he died, was buried for three days, rose from the grave. Uh, he spent some time kind of helping his disciples understand what this new thing, the church, is going to be. And then he gives them kind of one big final lesson before he ascends to heaven in Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. And, and if you're a Christian, you've heard this before, but, but it's so vital to who we are. And, and a lot of Christians have heard this, but they've never written or read these words as if they were talking to us individually. As if this command was meant for you. It says, and Jesus came and said to them, these are his disciples, his, uh, what we would call the apostles eventually. It says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is saying, I'm in charge of all the things. Up in the sky, down on the ground. It's all me, all my, everything I say, I'm in charge. That means you got to listen when I say things. And he says, go therefore. And a better way to say that is as you're going. Meaning, as you're living your life, what follows is meant to be a normal part of our everyday walk as a human being. As you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Lead people on that first road to Jesus. Lead people, make disciples, help people see that they need Jesus because they're sinners. Help them put their trust in him for salvation. Lead people down that first road to Jesus. And then help them get on that second road by teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We were meant to be on these two different roads. And one thing that's interesting is as you read the rest of the New Testament, 
This was meant to be a repeatable process. This wasn't meant to be something that, okay, these apostles made disciples, done. The apostles were the only ones who could help people become Christians and come to Christ. No, it's supposed to be they made disciples and trained them to follow Jesus. Those people then went out and made more disciples, who went out and made more disciples, who went out and made more disciples, and on and on and on. It has gone for the last 2,000-some years, and that's how we're here, because people listened to that and repeated this process. And more so, on that second road, like I said, you get a place. You get a part to play in this mission of Christ in the church. Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul, we talked about him last week and how crazy his conversion story was. He says this about us. He says, for as in one body, we have many members. Um, You could replace the word members there with organs. He's like, see this body that we're all walking around in? If you cut that open, there's all these little parts and pieces to it. And all of them do little jobs, and you got your heart that pumps blood, your lungs that are taking in air, and you got all these other organs that are doing all these different things. Your body, one body, lots of parts. And the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, the church, the, all of us, though we're different people, we are one body in Christ. And individually, members, parts, organs of one another, we all go together. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, meaning we're all different, we all have different functions and trainings and gifts and personalities, all given to us that way because God decided that we could all contribute together. We're not all the same, and that's good. He says, so regardless of our gifts, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so he tells us that everybody in the church has a place to fit in, a role to play, a job to do, that we aren't just to be consumers of the mission. We're meant to be contributors to the mission. And when you never own the mission, as you're a Christian, and you never own and say, I have a place here, I have something to contribute to this mission in the church, when you do that, you not only rob the church, but you rob yourself of significant spiritual growth, significant spiritual um, headway in your life. And a lot of the reason, I think, why some of us, when we get stuck on this road of being a consumer and we're looking for a church to make us feel a certain thing, a lot of the reasons why we kind of feel like, well, I don't have all these meaningful experiences, and then I became a Christian, and every now and then I get them, but it's just not the same anymore. It's because you've stopped moving forward. You see, that first road was movement to Jesus, and then you got to Jesus, and you never served, you never did, you never embraced this amazing calling on your life, you just kind of stopped, and you wonder why it doesn't feel the same, why it's not as powerful in your life, and you don't feel God working through you and driving you onward anymore. It's because you're not going anywhere. You were meant to move to a different road of purpose and meaning in your life. There is so much joy in living a divine purpose. There is so much peace and confidence that comes with you knowing I have gifts, here they are, here's where I can use them, God is working in my life, That's, there's just something stabilita- stabilizing, stabilizing, there it is, every now and then I can make up a word and just go over it and like nobody knows and nobody will say anything, that wasn't one of them, um, but you know, but that's the idea, like we're, it's meant to like kind of add the stability and purpose and, and drive to our life, and a lot of Christians just 
are trying to consume, not contribute. And that was meant to be a powerful, powerful shift. And so if you are a consumer, maybe it's time to shift. If you're a Christian, it's time to move to being a contributor. This body of Christ needs your input. God put you here for a reason. If you're a Christian, you have gifts, you have skills, you have talents, and we as a whole need them. If you don't get up, you, this, you know what they call that? Organ failure. If you don't embrace your job, you are an organ in the body that is not doing its job. And you think nobody else is, is affected by that. That's not true. Do you know how many churches are struggling because a few people do almost all of the work? And the few are burning out because the few are, are carrying on the weight of the whole body when we're all meant to play our part. And so there are a ton of places you can serve. Even if you say, well, I don't even know what I'm good at. We can plug you into a place, let you see if it's your thing. And if, it's, if it is, great. If it's not, we'll find something else. No harm, no foul. Um, we're always in need of extra greeters. People who um, understand that someone's going to come in the door maybe any Sunday that doesn't know Christ, that doesn't um, go to church very often, and they're going to understand that that person needs a warm welcome, that that person might feel a little uncomfortable around here simply because of practical things like I don't know where to go to find a seat, I don't know where the bathrooms are, I don't know where um, I'm going with my kids, and they can embrace somebody who comes in the door, warm handshake, warm smile, and kind of say, you got kids, let me show you where to go. You know, We need some people that can help contribute to the mission that way. Um, we could use people who prepare communion for Sundays. Uh, you know, Communion is one of those things that we do every Sunday as a group to kind of recenter our focus and our attention on Christ. We could use somebody to come in on a weekly basis, prepare communion, pray over it. Say, God, th- tomorrow this is going to be a powerful part of the service. Please bless our time together. Let nothing get in the way. We would love to have some people who would sign up to do that. Um, it would be nice to have some people that um, could be trained to help operate and record the sermons on Sunday because um, whether somebody can't make it to church who comes regularly, we put that on the website so they can view that. Um, we've also discovered that a lot of people, before they even come to church, are watching online. So if you're watching online this first time, glad to have you here, Mr. Uh, through the camera there, right? I'm, I'm, my name's Anthony. It's nice to have you. Nobody else, you can't see them, but they're all glad you're here too. Um, but but like, it'd be great. To ha- it's nice to have that every single Sunday and to have more people that are understanding to do that. Um, ben pointed out that sometimes when I'm not here on Sundays, the, the recording doesn't get done because I haven't showed anybody else how to do that. And it's like, oh, I don't know if anybody wants to. If you want to, I would love to show you. We could do that. It's great. It's not terribly hard. Um, Yeah, so I mean, that's something that you could help with right off the bat. You could be serving here next Sunday, and that makes a difference to people. Um, There's other things. Um, Connect Kids always needs more helpers. I would say Connect Kids is permanently like 80% staffed from what we need at best. And so we could use a few more hands back there. And on and on and on I could go. So there's always places you could play a part and, you know, not all of them have to do with you signing up to serve in a role on a Sunday morning at church. Uh, we said last week, part of our job as Christians is to help other people, invest, to invest in other people's lives and help them come to know Christ. Whether we tell them about the gospel or whether we bring them to church so that they can start exploring faith a little bit more. Um, that is one of our jobs. So, as scary as those conversations might be, I don't think they're optional for us as believers. So I do, I want to encourage you just to ask a question. Whether you're a Christian or not, I want you to ask a question. Which road are you on? The road that leads to Christ or the road that leads from the cross of Christ to a life of purpose and meaning to help other people find Christ? 
which road are you on? But maybe the better question is, which road should you be on? Some of you are Christians, and you've been on that first road. You're still trying to have that spiritual high. You're still trying to find that spiritual fix every single Sunday. And I'm not saying that that can't ever happen, but you're meant to move past that give me, give me, give me mentality when it comes to church and to get out and serve and make a difference in our area. So which road should you be on? Are you a consumer or a contributor? And if you're not a Christian, by the way, let me say, you're a consumer right now, and that's okay. Consume all you want. We're so glad you're here. Listen to the sermons. Ask your questions. Think about faith. Dig, dig deep as long as you want to. Take your time. But for those of you who are Christians, it is time to take up the mission of God. It is not an option. It is not a luxury. It is something that we have been called to as Christians. And God has uniquely gifted you to serve somewhere. He has uniquely empowered you to make a difference in this grand mission. And so if you are a believer, it is time to get involved, to use your God-given gifts to strengthen the church so that we can more effectively make a difference in our world for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you lead us down these two unique roads. I thank you for everybody that's on the road that leads to the cross. Everybody's road looks a little different. Mine was long and, and slow. Some people, you might be powerfully moving in their heart right now through your Holy Spirit, opening their eyes to the, their need for you in their life and their need to follow you. You are actively working to show them that you have a better way of life, a more hopeful way of life for them. And I thank you for the ways you're opening their, their eyes uh, now. And I thank you for that second road. To think that starting in high school, that you could kind of open my eyes and, and start helping me, little old me, make a difference. A kid who got in trouble for talking too much in class. A kid who was mean to people in high school. A guy who, who did nothing, <laughs> treated girls with no respect. Who ogled them uh, for far too many years, never seeing them as your daughters, your beloved to think that you could use me, to think that you could change my heart and give me a new focus and a new perspective and lead me from a self-centered existence to one that actually plays a role in your kingdom. And you will do that for anyone here. You take us from where we were and you lead us to where you want us to be. And you want to not just let us watch your mission unfold. Let us not just watch you act powerfully in the world. You want to work through us. You want to work in us. And so I pray for those of us here who are Christians that we would understand the power of this road that leads from the cross. That we should walk it boldly, bravely, excitedly, looking forward. It doesn't mean it's an easy road or it's never full of questions or it's never without questions or difficulty. But at least, Father, we know that we are working toward a life of purpose. A life unwasted. A life of significance. So thank you for guiding us down these roads. May we not get them confused. May we not hang out on the consumer road too long because you didn't put us here to take in forever. You didn't put us here to sit and suck in doctrines and suck in teaching until we were overweight Christians who never exercise our faith. You meant for us to get up and do something, make a difference for the kingdom. And you've given us all a place to do that. Help us to trust you and open our eyes to where you would use us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.